Penn State football takes on Maryland in College Park this weekend. And to get you ready for the game, I'm bringing in an expert on the Maryland Terrapins. That is Emily Giambalvo. She works for the Washington Post, and she covers Maryland athletics. So, Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and uh, you have a, a degree in what exactly? I was reading your, your, your bio, and it's not in broadcast. It's in, it's in something different. What is it? Yeah, I majored in management information systems. It's kind of like computer science and business. So I, I went to school as a math major and accidentally went to the student newspaper the first week and ended up doing something I never expected. Always liked sports, just never never thought my job would be in sports. That's what I thought. I, I wanted to make sure it was a mathematics degree because I want to ask you, what in the world are you doing here? <laughs> it's it's not necessarily math. It's more it's more similar to computer science and like coding and, and okay. stuff like that with a little bit more of like a business twist than than just straight up computer science. Um, okay. But yeah, I was always a math kid, not a writer. So, so uh, already outclassed today on the BWI Daily Edition. <laughs> I love that, by the way. I love bringing in smart people to talk smart things about football. So we're going to be getting into a little bit about uh, Maryland, what's been going on with them this season. One quick thing before we start, because I have to be tell, I have to tell everybody this this week. Blue White Illustrated has a brand new home this week from the founders of Rivals, and 247 Sports comes the next generation of high school and college for, uh, sports fan experience. It's called On3. You see the little logo up in my corner. On3 is going to change the way you follow Penn State sports and the sports scene in general with recruiting and a 21st century approach to high school recruiting. Great news is that if you are uh, wanting to get in to what Blue White Illustrated does, it's the same great content. Everything's the same, just in a new place, and you can sign up for one single dollar 12 months of access for one single dollar the link is down in the description of the video so if you have been a blue white illustrated member and you're wondering where everything went it is now at on three so you get to have that for a dollar and if you are new to what blue white illustrated does it's only a dollar it's a dollar for everybody for the first year so with that in mind and with all of that said emily i want to get into maryland and penn state because as I've been watching and as I've been learning about Maryland this week, there's some eerie similarities between these two teams. Uh, Maryland on an 0-3 streak in the Big Ten. They snapped that last week. Penn State currently on one. What has the season been like so far for Maryland? Yeah, it's been interesting because it, it started with that 4-0 start. And, you know, I think there was a lot of excitement. And you started to hear people talk about some maybe outlandish expectations of, like, you know, could Maryland win eight games, nine games? It seems like going to a bowl game was a foregone conclusion. Um, but when you look back at those four games, I mean, the first Big Ten game was Illinois. Um, then they played Kent State, Howard, and West Virginia, which West Virginia, you know, is a, is a decent team. But – Maryland really hadn't been tested. And then what happened was they got thrown into that really tough uh, Big Ten stretch with Ohio State and Iowa. And I think what was really scary for fans was just kind of like the sense of has the program taken a step forward? Because it felt like the same old results kind of against those top teams. And I think, you know, people are probably curious to see how it goes with Penn State because a lot of those really lopsided losses in the past have come from Penn State. Yeah, except for last year, uh, w a very interesting season. So I was going to ask you this later, but I think it it's a perfect time to ask, how have things gone under Mike Loxley? Because he was seen as every new coach is, but, you know, with his recruiting background and his re background coming from Alabama, 
Uh, how have things been going with Mike Loxley, and have you seen any evidence of them turning the corner as a program? Yeah, I think there has been tangible evidence that each year there has been a step forward. I, I, I'm not sure if those steps have been as big as people would have liked. You know, maybe by now you're wanting to win more games, you're wanting to be competitive, you know, be just at least competitive, which it seems like that's such a low bar to clear, but it's really not when you look at the division. Um, right. It's so hard for Maryland, but but I think fans are just really tired of seeing them just get totally blown out in these in these games. Um, so so I do think things are moving forward. I, I always worry a little bit just when you talk about someone who is such a great recruiter, which Loxley is, but at, at some point you do have to win games too um, right. to get those top players to come. So he's gotten some good players, but I think if, if the ball is going to keep rolling and, and steps are going to keep being taken forward, um, you kind of got to knock off some of these teams. Get, I, I still think getting to a bowl game this year would would kind of be that positive step forward. I, I think if Maryland finishes six and six and, and goes to a bowl game, um, that's positive. But but again, it's just like those steps have been pretty small so far, and and I think fans kind of are, are starting to get a little um, antsy. But but again, it's still only year three. There was a COVID season, and and I think right. maybe next year is is the bigger here for him. And it's an interesting situation because not only is it the Big Ten East as competitive as it is, but, you know, Maryland and and the DMV corridor, which I know you 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 live in D.C., right? Um, I live in Silver Spring, just okay. outside D.C. Okay, so but that area in general mm-hmm. is a very rich recruiting base for the Big Ten, but you've got James Franklin, you've got Ryan Day, you've got Michigan is always strong in the New Jersey area, mm-hmm. so... It, Mike Loxley brings all of that, but the, the competition in that area is fierce when it comes to the recruiting side of things. But one guy he did bring with him from Alabama, uh, well, I was going to start with the quarterback, Talia Tungavaloa. Uh, really interesting player so far this season. What has your impression of Talia been so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I think he's certainly the best quarterback Maryland's had in a long time. I mean, that's been the thing this program has just really lacked. It's just they have not had any stability at that position. And a lot of that had to do with injuries. And I think Talia, you know, has really been a positive step for Maryland. Um, and he's had some good games. I mean, when you look at just the stats, I mean, he threw for more than 400 yards last week. That's great, um, no matter who you're playing. Really, the the problem with him still is just a little bit of this um, ability to respond to mistakes. You know, I kind of tell people it's rare for him to have like a one interception game. You know, it was completely exploded against uh, Iowa where he had five interceptions, but, but it seems like that's kind of the trend. So, so if you're Penn state and you kind of force him to a mistake early, force him to respond, you know, maybe that's a recipe to disrupt them. Um, so I think kind of the next growth step for him will just be kind of figuring out how to not let these mistakes compound because he has really shown flashes of of being a, a good quarterback, good arm. And, um, you know, I, I think he's he's kind of what makes Maryland's offense go. Yeah, he is the offense. I mean, if you just take a look here, he's thrown more balls in the Big Ten than any other quarterback. He has more yards, second most touchdowns. But you're right. Uh, takes a lot of sacks, especially ones that he's holding on to the ball and scrambling. And then and then the interceptions. You mentioned it's not just one. It's the it's the Iowa game mm-hmm. where he throws one and then he tries to make up for it with another mm-hmm. deep ball and he throws another one and then another one. Um, I just I find him super interesting because mm-hmm. some of the things on film that I love about him is he's willing to throw into those tight windows. He's mm-hmm. willing to do all of those things. So is is this 
has he turned the corner since early in the season with that game against Iowa? I know that was a big moment that a lot of people hung on to, not only for Maryland and 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 for Talia, but also for Iowa kind of defined the early part of both seasons. Have you seen him turn that corner where he's a little bit better with the football at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think he has been good in the in the last two games. Even the loss at Minnesota um, was better for him. He didn't have any of those major mistakes that we're talking about. And then he, he was good against Indiana, which, you know, it's just hard because it's like, you know, you want to be able to do it against a little bit of a better team. Maybe, maybe Penn State is kind of this, like, perfect opportunity for him but I find it really interesting just like his you know Loxley has mentioned this kind of his desire to extend plays it's kind of the thing like I, I love about it like I love watching him because yeah. he 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 never gives up on a play but then that's also the type thing when, when you're a young quarterback like at some point you got to learn you know give up on the play rather than losing 15 yards or throwing an interception so um he's fun to watch but but just kind of has those moments where you can tell you know he's only started 12 games or I don't know what the number is now, but, but he's still a, a young quarterback who doesn't have tons of experience. I'm going to ask you uh, maybe an unfair question, but you were at Georgia and I think the timeline lines up where Tua was the quarterback at Alabama. <laughs> Do you think he's better than Tua? Cause they're, they're very different games from what I've seen. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Like I haven't thought too much about the comparison. I think Tua obviously accomplished a, a lot more. It's hard to yeah. say, it's hard to say, though, with the pieces around him, right? Yes. Like, like, you know, it, playing in a Maryland offense is a lot different than... Um, you mean it's easier to throw about. to Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, <laughs> and uh, Jalen Waddell than it is to uh, Dante Demas Jr.? Uh, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I mean, I've watched a good bit of Alabama. I, I was only... I covered Georgia in that 2017 um, season, so when Tua came in to win the national title game against Georgia... Um, so I didn't watch like a full to a season when I was covering the SEC. Okay. Um, but but yeah, no, I think I think Talia still has a, a ways to go. Um, but I, I do think the potential is there, and and I think he could be a really, you know, I think he has the skill set if if the kind of maturity and, and growth and experience comes along with it. I think he could be he could be pretty good. Yeah, we'll get to kind of maybe the, the the battle between the Penn State secondary and and him because I think it's going to be a fascinating one. Mm -hmm. But speaking of his receivers, this has been a big problem for Maryland this year is the injury bug. Tell us a little bit about what's happened at that position and kind of overall for the Terrapins this year. Yeah, um, Dante Demas really probably one of the best receivers in, in the Big Ten, even with all the talented receivers the conference has. And um, he had a season-ending injury, and then a couple weeks later, Jayshon Jones, who had just moved into a starting role because of Demas's injury, he he has a season-ending injury. And, um, you know, what's happened is is that makes life a lot harder for Rockham Jarrett because now he's kind of like the, the clear number one threat, whereas before, you know, teams were probably focusing a bit more on Demas, and it opened things up for Rakim. Um, and then what we're seeing is, like, last week, uh, Carlos Carrier, a guy who who really had not had much production through five years at Maryland, just like has this, you know, random standout game and, and is a starter now. And, and we saw that with Marcus Fleming, a, a, a freshman transfer from Nebraska. And I think that's kind of what to expect heading into this game is almost a, a sense of like if, if Maryland wants to have a chance, 
a receiver is going to have to kind of step up and it's just mm -hmm. hard to know who it will be. And, and the good news for Maryland is that that room, you know, heading into the season was talked about as being this insanely deep room. And it's almost like, how do you get the guys the ball? How do you decide who starts and all that? So, um, you know, now depth is more of an issue with those injuries. And of course the caliber of the player who, who are hurt. Um, but, but there are other options in that room. So, um, I, I still think I'd maybe look at Rakim Jarrett to have a big game. I mean, he was so great against Penn State last year and, and has been a little inconsistent um, so far this year, but but it seems like he's almost due for, for a big performance. So it's Jarrett and then question mark, and that, that is going to be kind of the game plan going forward from what you're saying. They've been leaning more on the tight ends, the running yeah. backs. How have, how have they kind of filled that void in, uh, you know, of just – because they throw the ball more than any other team in the Big Ten, so have they have they shifted where they throw, or is it really just the next receiver steps up? Um, it's it's been a little bit depending on the game, and we we haven't had a lot of games since then. Um, okay. but but like Carlos Carrier, Marcus Fleming have been two of the guys who have really seen an increase in snaps. Brian Cobbs is someone who's a senior. His dad actually played for Penn State, was on a national championship team, um, and didn't get offered there, and. He's someone who also feels almost due to have one of these games where, where it's like his, his time to be in the spotlight. Um, but then going back to your point, you're, you're exactly right. Um, tight end Chega Conquo and then uh, running back Tayon Blee Davis have been pretty involved in the past game too. And, and that's something that Loxley's offense has always done. Um, you know, he likes to use those guys as pass catchers and, and we've really seen their role kind of explode since the, the options at receiver have dwindled. One of the things that is it is comparable in a lot of ways between these two offenses, but another one is that the Maryland offense also, from what I can tell, not great at running the football. What's the personality up front along the offensive line, and then how would you describe their ground game? Yeah, I I, I think, you know, just always talking among media people, I seem a bit uh, more pessimistic about the run game than anyone. I, I just don't think they've really shown that they can establish the run at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've, they've kind of racked up some yardage late in early games and then every so often you might get an explosive play but Tayon Flea Davis is the starter um and and you know he's at like 400 yards through eight games which is you know not not necessarily what you'd want for your lead running back but then again like Maryland has been kind of chasing from behind in a lot of these games and has a mm -hmm. good quarterback and it's kind of like a pass first um offense but but that number two running back spot is even more interesting. Like it's kind of shifted between three, four guys and, and they don't really have someone who's like the clear answer. Um, but it wasn't because I was doing, I was doing the same thing at Penn state and I, I didn't realize how bad it was until, I, bad. <laughs> until I looked at it because, because that's something um, Maryland's defense has been really, really poor at stopping the run. So mm -hmm. I almost, I almost, I had to do like a Q and a thing for a, a Penn state beat writer. And, and one of my things was maybe like, don't be surprised if, um, you know, Penn State has a somewhat improved rushing performance because Maryland's defense has, has really struggled there. So that's one area that I find interesting because from what I can tell, the starters aren't terrible. Is it depth along the defensive line where they struggle or is it really just the whole thing and I watched the right couple games to see them play well against the run? Yeah, it's a good question because they, they do have experienced defensive linemen. Um, you know, I, I, I think maybe some of it is purely like a talent gap when you're playing those really top teams. Like, like gotcha. I, I still don't think Maryland is quite there um, at all. Like when, when you're going against the Ohio States of the world and the Iowa's, when you look at like Iowa's offensive line, for instance, 
Um, and then I think some of it is, is just like missed assignments. And then you have a linebacker group that's been pretty banged up all year. And, and I think the issues kind of just compound, but, um, and, and then you have teams that really just start wearing them down. So it's like, you know, you can't stop them in the first quarter and then it just kind of gets worse and worse. And, and we've seen that in a few of these games this year. And it's been, it's been a big issue for them. Well, I don't think they have to worry about it this weekend. <laughs> Although it's interesting, uh, you, Mike Yersich has, has come out in the last two games to start for the Penn State offense and called majority of run plays. I think uh, eight of nine and seven of eight the last two games. And then I, I think it's just to establish their RPO game and then they just stop running the football. So I, I, I'm going to I'm interested to see how that matches up, because the way that Maryland lines up with their particular schemes and fronts, Penn State has not been able to run against that all year long. Mm -hmm. So that's another area where this game seems weird to me, Emily. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking to Emily Giambalvo of the uh, Washington Post, where both of these teams have the same strengths and weaknesses in a lot of areas. So how is something going to break is really up in the air to me. Do you, do you feel the same way about that from what you've seen of Penn State? Or, or do you have a better, do you feel like you have a better clear picture than I do? No, I, I agree. I totally agree with you. Like really just looking at how both of these offenses like want to operate and, and maybe a little bit more of the strengths of the defenses that, that said, Maryland, Maryland secondary has had its issues too. I mean, really, really the defense has, has been a bit iffy um, in some of these past games, but they they've had some injury issues or are getting some guys back. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they are pretty similar teams. And, and I know this is a bit more of like a meta question, but like part of me is thinking like, you know, which team has more to gain from winning? Like, I, I still think Penn State is, is the better team, but I almost wonder, like, you know, for Penn State being two and three in the conference is is a pretty down start. Um, right. And for Maryland, like, winning this game would define their season. They go to a bowl game. It would be, you know, huge. So, so I, I almost wonder a little bit, like, just the mental – side of, of those things yeah and yesterday James Franklin during his press conference uh he always like he never says anything that is like false or anything that you would say like that's not true but he definitely sells the Penn State point of things and I think he knew because Penn State was not ranked in the initial college football playoff rankings last night uh, I think he knew going in they weren't going to be and he just wanted to preemptively give his point out that <laughs> they've played a lot of top 25 teams. They won a bunch early and mm -hmm. then they they've been on this 0-3 skid. Uh, and that really has been an interesting situation for this team that had expectations that were super high and then crashed to the bottom in the last three weeks, all because of, I think, two key injuries, but one specifically to Sean Clifford. Uh, from the Maryland defense perspective, they've also had injuries on that side of the ball. Have, have the Especially in the secondary, has that changed the way they want to play defense? And what would you say, ideally, is their identity on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a good bit of debate of kind of like what it should be. Um, when Maryland has all of its best players, they like to play man defense and they they think that they can compete that way. And then what happened was, was when some of these top cornerbacks, I mean, they were missing, they were down to like their fifth and sixth corners against Ohio State, which is just like a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, and, and it was. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you've seen them change a little bit how they play um, with that, but, but with so Jacorian Bennett is one of their starting cornerbacks. He's back. And with that, they, you know, they say they want to play more man. And um, it's been interesting. But but really, and then it's been the defensive backs, mostly cornerbacks and the inside linebackers have just been um, 
totally beat up and and it's showing and i think that's the type thing where um you know maybe loxley's recruited some good players but you just don't have that depth that you need as like a elite team where it's like maybe your one two guys are are pretty good and can be competitive but when you kind of start working down the depth chart you're seeing more more guys who kind of came to a team that's at the bottom of the big 10 and, and aren't just capable of competing with the, the talent that some of these other schools have. So I find that super interesting when teams want to do that. It's one thing for Ohio State who wanted to play NFL-style coverage. They wanted to play their single high safety, press man coverage. We're better athletes than you. We recruit five stars all the time. But sometimes I watch teams like Duke. And, and mm-hmm. I just, not that Duke has to be a bad football team and like they want to play a certain style, but when teams like Duke and Maryland that don't consistently get those players... Aren't you kind of asking for this situation? Yeah, and, and it was interesting because what happened was um, Maryland's defense was pretty bad at the start of last year. And then kind of like halfway through the Minnesota game that they ended up winning in overtime, um, they kind of made the switch and it worked and, and they they were better. And, it was, and they've really just kind of tried to stick with it then you know not exclusively but but Loxley always says like that's who we want to be you know it's like they're they don't seem to be wavering from the fact that you know that's that's who they want to be um so so it's an interesting philosophy for for Maryland and I think it's hard because you have seen some moments where where it's a good thing for them um but but then you see times where they just you know get totally beat and and you kind of wonder what yeah. what the strategy should be. Yeah, in the game specifically, I remember uh, they they pressured Petrus, the quarterback from Iowa, on sixty five percent of his dropbacks, and he had a higher completion percentage when they did that. So I, yeah, the on, the only two the only two teams when they've sent the blitz that have had a lower completion percentage were West Virginia in week one, and then Brandon Peters at Illinois. So it's been a really interesting thing to peg down what they're going to try and do against Sean Clifford, who has traditionally struggled against pressure if you can get home. So I guess what are you looking for with all the things we just talked about? What are the matchups you're looking for in this game to decide what the outcome will be? I think maybe I'm a little influenced by what you just said, but I I think I am interested to see how Maryland tries to affect uh, Sean Clifford. Because I think maybe that's, part of the recipe to to Maryland having success if they can kind of I, I don't know kind of what his injury situation is but if he's a bit still banged up um at all like maybe maybe they think try to rattle him early try to get to the quarterback try to make him throw under pressure and, and that kind of goes back to what we were saying with how how they want to play um I think I think that's interesting I think Javon Dodson is obviously interesting you know how can can Maryland's DBs um win any of those one-on-one battles or is he gonna kind of get them all and then and then the other thing I'd look for I think Maryland kind of came out in this Indiana game and really just wanted to start fast and, mm-hmm. and try to score quickly and I think that'll be something um they might try to do again and and if and and you know maybe that's a scenario where if Maryland somehow which I, sh- I don't even think I should be saying this but if they would somehow go up 10-0 or 14-0 in the first quarter like you know, that, that is their path to having a chance. Um, I don't think Maryland wants to get down and, and be playing from behind. And and then I think um, you just kind of hope if you're Maryland that Talia can stay composed, have a good first half, and, and not kind of get himself into any of those bad situations. I, I And I know I said this earlier. Uh, you're right. I, I don't have a good read on this game because I think Talia is the better quarterback between the two. Uh, he genuinely has great throws in there. And the reason I asked you about if he's better than Tua is he's not conservative. Tua was such a conservative quarterback at times. He will put it out there. So if they hit a couple of those early, 
maybe it happens. But the Penn State secondary, they're very good. And Mm -hmm. it's just there are so many things at play in this game. I don't have a really good idea of where it's going to go. So I'm going to ask you this question. Is it within a touchdown in the fourth quarter? Um. Yeah, I'd say I, th- I think there's a good chance. I don't know if the final score ends up being within a touchdown, but I think there's a world where Maryland kind of keeps it um, close. And, and you know, I know no fan wants a moral victory, but but like I, I do think for Maryland, keeping a game like this close is, is big just for keeping fans engaged and stuff. You, you just don't want Penn State to come in and kind of have one of those like 35-0 starts or, or whatever it may be in these past few years. So, um, yeah, I, I think Maryland can keep it close. And I think regardless of the outcome, if they keep it close, I, I do think that's that's a positive sign for them. Well, Penn State, they got their own moral victory last week against Ohio State. So just passing it down the line, I guess. So that's what we're what are you what are you working on this week? What are you thinking about uh, over at The Washington Post? What can people read from Emily this week? I'm, I'm actually doing a story on Brian Cobbs, who who is that receiver I mentioned whose dad went to Penn State. So it's talking to the dad yesterday and I'm at some point going to sit down today and, and write it. So that, that's the, the main thing I'm doing this week. And then basketball stuff, we're already starting, which up here, you know, <laughs> carries a bit of weight too. So <laughs> Yeah, it definitely matters. Uh, Emily Giambalvo of the Washington Post, thank you so much for coming on. This was an absolute delight. I had a great time talking football with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and, of course, to our YouTube channel so you can see and hear and feel and hopefully not taste everything going on here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We will be back tomorrow with uh, post-practice updates for Penn State football.